0: If you take your Bibles and turn to John chapter 20, or your phones, or your tablets, or your laptops, your extra cool glasses, John chapter 20. I'm just about beside myself this morning. You've heard that expression before. It is uh, really, really great to see everybody. We've been thankful to be able to meet for the last six months uh, in person in, uh, in our building, uh, but it hasn't been, a, you know, everybody hasn't been able to come. And I know everybody's not here yet this morning. And again, those of you who are watching um, from online or traveling and watching in the car or at your destination, whatever, we're so glad that you're with us in that. Um, but it is also just so great. Uh, to have so many of us back together this morning like this at one time, and I'm so grateful for e- that. Each of you um, came this morning. I'm also grateful uh, for those uh, who've been working all week and really longer than a week to get things ready for today. But especially the ones that got up at, or that got up earlier, but got here at 5:30 this morning uh, to get things set up right and sounding right. And, all. and and the sound, at least from my perspective over there, um, guys. It sounded really, really good. Fantastic, yeah. And, uh, and, and not just the sound, but, but all the greeters and everybody that got here early and set things up and got things ready. It's a lot of work, but a, but a lot of worthwhile work. Um, work in, for the Lord is worship, because um, that's what worship is, is service. Uh, our singing certainly is part of that, but it's not all of it. And so also our, our listening to God's word is worship. Um, it's service. It's submitting ourselves. It's saying, I need to know what God says. And that's what we're going to do this morning in uh, another account of the resurrection. Um, there, there are lots of different things happen during that 40 days between Jesus' resurrection and his ascension. His ascension being that moment when he, when he left this world and entered into glory um, to the right hand of the Father, where he stays until his return. But uh, there were 40 days in that time span. He met with his disciples a number of times. And uh, this is one of those accounts of one of his meetings with his disciples in verse 24 of John chapter 20. This is uh, on the heels of a meeting they had just had with them previously. Verse 24 says, Now Thomas, called Didymus, um, that, and he was called Didymus because he was a twin, and that's what Didymus means, one of the twelve was not with the disciples when Jesus came. When the other disciples told him that they had seen the Lord, he declared, Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe it. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. you may have life in his name. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise God for his word. Praise God for for the truth of these stories about him and the truth of this particular story about him. A story that interacts with every single one of us in one way or another. Every one of us in some way or another, has been Thomas. Some of us are him right now. All of us are him at different times. Praise God for the patience of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, his life showed us almost nothing but patience. From the way that he was born, even to the fact that that he had to be born because of our sinfulness. And because he knew the only way that we could be saved was to have a perfect sacrifice, a a perfect person to come and live and then die for our sins. Because, as we sang in the song, the wrath of God was satisfied. What, What that's talking about is God is just. And everyone who sinned against God deserves, according to the scripture, deserves to die, deserves to be punished. And their life taken from them because sinning against God is so severe because God is perfect but in his perfection in his perfect justice he also expressed his perfect love and sent his son the Lord Jesus Christ to come and live that perfect life only possible because he's the son of God the only reason that he wasn't didn't fall into sin like all the rest of us is because he is the son of God And he lived that perfect life. He did every right thing that he was supposed to do. Including, as we mentioned this morning, when Simon was being baptized, he was baptized. Not because he needed to to identify himself with himself. He is himself. But he wanted to set the example. He told John, when John the Baptist said, Jesus, I don't think I should baptize you. I think you should baptize me. It seems like we got this backwards. He said, no, no, no. You baptize me. Because... It is the right thing to do. I'm I'm here to fulfill all righteousness. And see, he knew that he was going to ask all of his disciples after that to be baptized. Because it was the right thing for us to do to identify with his death going under that water. To identify with his burial under that water. To identify with his resurrection. As we come up out of that water, as Simon demonstrated that this morning. Picturing that cleansing Not the water of the body, but of Jesus' blood of our sins when he died on the cross. He had to do that. He had to do that. And he showed patience in every step of the way. All the way along, patience. How many times did he tell his disciples, oh, you of little faith? Patiently, waiting for them to catch on, waiting for them to get it waiting for them to see what they needed to do and and how they were supposed to act and what they were supposed to believe. They They had some misconceptions about some of the Old Testament promises. They were all thinking that when the Messiah came that he was going to immediately restore the kingdom to Israel right now at that moment on earth. They didn't know about this time in between that, that the church was going, to be, was going to be raised up from people all around the world. That it wasn't just going to be a Jewish kingdom. That it was going to be the kingdom of God of all kinds of people. People like us. They didn't recognize that. They didn't see that. But he patiently waited. He patiently taught them. He patiently explained. And here is another example of his patience. Thomas. Unless I see it, I'm not going to believe Unless I, unless I actually touch him, unless I actually interact with him, I'm not going to believe it. Praise God. Jesus was patient. I wonder how Thomas felt when he saw him. And then he addressed him directly. Not just this isn't just a whole group talk here. Thomas, come here. Go ahead. Go ahead. Touch it. Go ahead. Put your hand in. Because that, that, that wound from the spear, it was still there. It was Jesus' real body. This wasn't just some kind of spiritual resurrection. It was his real body. He rose again bodily, physically. And Thomas' reaction is amazing. It's the reaction of all of us when we stop doubting and believe. My Lord and my God. In saying that, Thomas Thomas was taking himself off of the throne of Thomas' life. He was so bold, he was so quick to tell those guys, say, I'm not believing that till I see it myself. But all of a sudden, that pride, that self confidence was broken. All of his confidence, all of his hope, all of his faith went into that man who rose again. My Lord and my God. What a moment. But what a great thing Jesus said after that. Jesus acknowledged his belief and Jesus was excited about him believing. But there was something else that, that, that he wanted to make sure they understood. Thomas, you believe because you've seen me. You got to touch me. You got to put your hand in my side. But blessed are those who believe without seeing. You know who that includes? Every one of us who believe. And you might say, well, I've seen him. Well, yeah, we've seen him in his word, we've seen him in his works, we've seen him in his actions. But Jesus said there's a blessing for those of us who believe without seeing. And then John goes on to remind us of the ministry of this book. Because John's gospel, that chapter 20 is a part of, he says he, many, many other things that he did are in this book, but many other things are not recorded in the book. But these things are written. These, these true stories, just like the one with Thomas, these are written. So that you will believe, and by believing, you will have life in the Son. just like Thomas did. Oh, we don't know the we don't know Thomas the rest of Thomas' story. We don't have a, a full account of it. It's almost certain that he went east from from the Jerusalem area from, from Palestine. It's almost certain that he went maybe by through Persia and then all the way to India. Because there, there's lots of evidence in southern India that that uh, a disciple named Thomas, an apostle named Thomas, did a lot of work down there. So, so we don't, but we don't know all the story. We don't know the details of the stories of those other guys. But here, in the scripture, in the in this book that John said is written, so that we might believe, and that by believing we might have life in His name. We also. Can see ourselves. We don't have to know all the details of Thomas' later life or the other disciples. We have the details of Jesus' life. We have the details of Jesus' death. We have the details of Jesus' resurrection. We have the details of Jesus' ascension. We have the promises and the details of Jesus' return to take with him, to be with him forever, all of his believers, whether they've died or whether they're still living when he returns. We have all of those details, and those things are sufficient for us. We can believe in him through those testimonies that we have written in God's word. It is enough for us to read these things. These are trustworthy accounts. The men who wrote these things gave their lives for the testimony that they gave in these letters and in these prophecies. They were so certain. The, the eyewitnesses that wrote, like, like Thomas, is a part of this gospel. These were eyewitnesses. John himself, who wrote this gospel that we're looking at this morning. Matthew, who we looked at earlier. These men were eyewitnesses of Jesus' resurrection. They saw all that he did. They heard all that he taught. And they saw him verify it with his resurrection from the dead. We can take them at their word. People have been taking them at their word ever since the ascension. Ever since he wasn't around anymore to to be visible uh, physically to people. We've been taking, taking them at their word. And God has done exactly what he said he was going to do. He's been forgiving people of their sins. He's been giving them the peace that passes all understanding. He's been giving them purpose and meaning in their lives. He gives them the opportunity to live their lives, not for themselves any longer, not for things that don't matter, not for things that don't last. He gives us the opportunity by receiving the Lord Jesus Christ and being filled with His Holy Spirit, that Holy Spirit that He promised to send into every single believer when He ascended to the Father. He said that's what He was going to be doing. As He prays for us, So he was also going to send his Holy Spirit to live in every single one of us who believe. So that we who believe can now live our lives for a reason. For a bigger reason than just setting aside an hour or two a week. Which is a great thing to do. And I commend you for doing it this morning. But to recognize that our lives, because we believe in Jesus, because we've been forgiven of our sins, because we've been changed by him. Because we can now live for his glory, not just in church or next to church. Remember, church is the body of Christ. Not just when we're together, but that we can live for him in everything and everywhere that we are. By ourselves, alone with our spouses, alone with our families, at work, at school. On vacation, as some of our, our members are now, this being spring break. Wherever we are, not just when we gather together like this, but whenever, wherever we are, whatever we're doing, we then, because of the ministry of the Holy Spirit in our lives, because we believe. Remember, that's why the Holy Spirit comes. He doesn't come into the good people, he comes into those who believe. And those who believe are the ones who recognize they're not the good people. That they've sinned before God and they desperately need a savior. And that Jesus Christ, the one that's testified about in this book, in these letters, in these gospels, like the gospel of John that we're reading this morning. That we can put our trust in Jesus and be forgiven of our sins. And that he makes us good. The word of God says that he made him, in in 2 Corinthians 5.21, that he made him who knew no sin, that's Jesus, to be sin for us. All the sins of the world being put on him. That through him, we might become the righteousness of God. He does that in our lives. He's the one that does that. We don't do that for ourselves. We don't get good enough for him. So many people are waiting to believe in him. Thinking that they have to get better. Better the only way that we're ever going to get better is putting our trust in Jesus Christ, then he does the getting better part for us. And then he gives us a lifetime, however long that life is. For some it's very short, for some it's very long. But however long that life is, we have the opportunity from that moment on to bring him the honor and glory that he deserves. Looking forward to that time when we're going to be with him forever. One of the thieves that was hanging on the cross next to him you remember the story of Good Friday, and the kids remind us of Good Friday this morning and answering my questions. You remember Jesus was, had, had thieves on either side of him. And early on, they were both giving him a hard time. Why don't you save us if you're, a save, if you're the Savior? Why don't you come, come down for the cross and take us with you? Then watching Jesus in that whole environment, that whole situation... Watching him suffer, watching him die. One of those thieves looked to the other and said, hey, we deserve this. He doesn't deserve this. And he looks to Jesus. He says, Jesus, would you remember me when you enter into your kingdom? You remember what Jesus told him? Today. Today you will be with me in paradise. That guy had a very, very short Christian life. He died an, uh, just hours later. But you know what he did with those last hours? He, While he suffered with the Savior, he had communion with the Savior. We think of communion as the, as the Lord's Supper, you know, as, as drinking the blood and you know, the, the cup and rep- representing the blood and eating the, the, the bread representing his body. We're going to do that next week in our worship service, by the way, and we hope you can be here for it. But that believer was sharing the communion in a special way, wasn't he? Dying right on the next cross over from the Savior for the glory of God. The The other thief was dying for nothing. He was dying in judgment. He was about to receive the penalty for all of his sins because he decided to carry them himself. He decided to reject the Savior who was dying right next to him. But the wise thief He received Jesus. He stopped doubting, as Jesus told Thomas. He stopped doubting, and he believed. I love how direct Jesus is with that statement to Thomas. He's he's patient, but he's direct. Stop doubting. You've got enough. I've shown you enough. Stop doubting and believe. The thief on the cross did. Thomas did. Many of us have. It was encouraging when I was sharing when Simon Simon Way, who was baptized this morning, he was sharing with me this week his story of how he came to know Christ. He said he's gone through a period of doubting. He's not alone, is he? There's lots of reasons, lots of things to be doubtful about. But God has revealed Himself to us in His Word, and He's shown us in His creation that he is the faithful, eternal God, and that he loves us so much that he sent his son, the Lord Jesus, to come and die for us. And not only die, but also rise again from the dead. And so we praise God this morning that like the thief on the cross, like Thomas, like others who are here this morning who have already believed, there is still an opportunity there's still an opportunity for you to stop doubting and believe. Or maybe to stop putting it off. Some of you, it's not so much a doubt, it's just it's you're doubting yourself. You're, you're not su- sure that you can live up to a lifelong commitment. You're thinking, I, he, he's going to he's gonna want me to stop sinning. And, and you're right about that. He's not going to want you to. He wants you to now. Because sin is rebellion against him. He put in your heart. And he gave us his word to also let us know the things that he doesn't want us doing and the things that he does want us doing. And he doesn't want us breaking that. He doesn't want us going against that. Because it goes against his very nature. It goes against his very character. It goes against his very person. Our creator. Our sustainer. Our savior. The one who loves us. It goes against everything that he is. He wants all of us to stop sinning. And some of you are thinking, I don't think I can stop sinning. And I want to tell you something, you're right. Don't let that stop you. Just admit that to him. And as you receive him, as you believe in him, because that's what receiving him is. Earlier in the gospel, in chapter one, John said this, just summarizing the ministry of Jesus. He said, most of his friends, most of his family, most of the people around Jerusalem and around Israel said, he came into his own, but his own did not receive him. But those who did receive him, those who believed on his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And that's exactly what happened to Thomas. That's exactly what happened to the thief on the cross. That's exactly what happened to any of us who are here this morning who have already received him, who have already believed in him. He has taken our sins away. And he's given us help by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the body of Christ and by his word. He's given us help to turn away from those sins that we've so often committed. But he also continues to forgive us even after we receive him and we also sin. He continues to forgive us. John also, in in a later letter that he wrote, said if we confess our sins... He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's his promise. That's what he does for those of us who believe. So don't don't stay in your doubt about yourself. Don't let that keep you from believing. Let that be an encouragement to you to believe because Jesus knows that you can't do it. Jesus knows that you can't be good enough. And he wants you to trust him to do that for you. He proved it over and over again in his word. And if you haven't taken time to read it, take some time and read his story. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in particular. Read those stories and see what he did for you. See what he thinks about you. See what he will do for you if you put your trust in him. And those of us who already believe, we still have those moments of doubt too, don't we? Something happens in our lives and then something else happens in our lives and we, we think, wait a minute. If, if he really loves me, if I'm really his, then why does all this stuff keep happening to me? Maybe, maybe I'm not really his. The way things are going. And again, we look to God's word and we find out that things didn't always go great for these guys who knew Jesus. Jesus. He allows us to go through the hardest things in life, even as his children, even as his believers, because he has the whole picture in mind. He knows exactly what's going on. He knows exactly what he needs to do in our lives, what he needs to allow in our lives to grow us into the men and women that he wants us to be, like Jesus Christ, like his son. And he knows what it takes. And he also knows how to use us in the lives of others. And sometimes our suffering, the things that we go through, is strictly for somebody else. So that they can come to know Christ. So that they can begin to grow in their faith in Christ. Just by watching and being a part of our lives as we go through the difficulties that we go through. We don't know all the answers, but we do know this. He loves us. And he is committed to growing us in the image of his son. And even those difficult things, those things that cause us sometimes to doubt, even those things will be used to grow us, to turn into something good for us so that we can honor him and glorify him even more. We can trust him with those things. Stop doubting and believe. Like I said, if you haven't been reading, if you haven't been looking into God's word, start doing that. This is written, as John said, this is written so that you can see what he did, so that you can see what he said, so that you won't be confused by what other people say about him. See what he said himself so that you can believe and so that by believing, you also can be saved. And being saved is a great thing. Being saved is a great thing. To know that you're going to spend eternity with God in the glory given us in Jesus Christ. And there's nothing that anybody or anything can do about that. Nothing. It is yours because it's a gift from God given to every single one of us who believe. It gives us a peace. It gives us a comfort. It gives us a confidence. It gives us an excitement about the future. Even when the future looks bleak, it doesn't matter. Even our health isn't good. Even when our relationships aren't right, it gives us a promise. It gives us a hope to believe and to know that we are going to be with him and everything is going to be right and everything is going to be good in his glory and that is going to be forever. So these light and momentary afflictions, that's that's what the Apostle Paul calls them. They are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Praise God for the salvation that he brings to everyone who believes. All the way back to the thief, all the way back to Thomas, and many others in between, to right now, he's continuing to save every single one of us who believe. Let's bow together in prayer. Heavenly Father, what a blessing this morning to be counted among those who believe even though we haven't yet seen Thank you for the testimony that you gave to Thomas. Thank you for John's faithfulness in writing it down for us. Thank you for the testimony that you gave that thief on the cross. And thank you for the faithfulness of your apostles for writing that story down so that we also have it. Heavenly Father, thank you for your faithfulness In our lives, thank you for bringing us to this point in our lives right now. And the help that you've promised to help us stop doubting and start believing. Father, there are some who are having a hard time giving up the other things that they believe in, the things that they want to be true. Help them to give those things up, Father. And to believe in what you said through your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And that no one comes to the Father except through him. Help them to believe that. Giving up every other idea, every other belief system that they may have had. And trusting completely in your unique Son, Jesus Christ. Give them the courage and the faith to do that even this morning, on this resurrection morning, on this Easter Sunday. And then, Father, we pray that you, as we prayed for Simon this morning, as he um, makes this great statement, this bold statement, um, in obedience to you this morning, as we prayed for him that you would bless his life and use him in this life, Father, we pray that for all who are putting their trust in Jesus this morning. And Father, for those of us who already believe, some of us for a long time, help us to continue to rely on Jesus and Jesus alone. Help us not to fall back into thinking that we can add to what you've done for us. Help us just to keep believing in what you've done. And Father, we thank you for the ministry of your Holy Spirit as you change us, as you continue to give us a deeper desire to stay away from those things that are sinful and to do those things and to live those things that are honoring to you. We pray that you'd continue to do that work in us and remind us of your great promises that all things work together for good for those who love you and are called according to your purpose. Father, we thank you for that this morning and pray that you would be glorified in us. Even as we've been singing, Father, we pray that you would be glorified in our living It's in Jesus' name, our risen Savior, that we pray. Amen.